hour number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each week we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. We continue in this hour number two with our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016 and our analysis of the Republican debate which occurred this week, which will be known much more for how CNBC blew it than for much else, although I do think that it will also be remembered for the night that we knew Jeb Bush was not going to be the nominee. (laughs) Uh, As I have been saying for weeks, I believe the final four will be Trump, Carson, Rubio, and Cruz. And then from there, I don't know what's going to happen, although if I had to bet, I would say that Rubio would be the nominee. However... There are only two scenarios here that I will be remotely uh, satisfied with. One is that Rubio's the nominee without being so damaged, by, specifically by Donald Trump, that he's completely unable to compete against Hillary Clinton, which I think is a very likely scenario. Uh, because it appears to me as if Trump is going to stick around long enough and have enough of a megaphone and have an incentive to torpedo and sabotage Marco Rubio. Uh, And that's what's really going to piss me. That'll be the scenario that'll piss me off more than any other. Uh, But Rubio unscathed, I would be happy with, because I think he can beat Hillary. The other scenario that I wouldn't be thrilled with, but at least I would get some satisfaction out of, which is Donald Trump marches the denomination and, of course, gets destroyed by Hillary Clinton, because then there'll be no ambiguity about how we got ourselves into this mess, uh, who it is to blame. That would be the right wing media for allowing uh, the base to believe that Donald Trump could beat Hillary Clinton when he cannot. And we'll all have a whole bunch of fun while we burn the whole place down and Hillary becomes president for the next eight years. Those are the only two scenarios I will be remotely satisfied with. And so in a weird way, Leah, I know people don't believe this. I don't I'm not sure you even believe it. I'm actually rooting for Trump. When I watch this debate, I'm rooting for my man, Donald Trump. Yeah, but Uh, see, that that really just makes me mad because then you're rooting for the downfall of America. No. Oh, wait a minute, Leah. No, no, yeah, no, you no, are. no, 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 no. Because no, you know no, Trump can't no, win against no. Hillary Clinton. Right, right. I understand. And so you That's... are rooting no, no, for no. the downfall no, no. of America. No, 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 no. First of all, I'm accepted that the downfall of America is inevitable. No, and, well, it's and, not really. No, well, look, I'm still, in my, my heart is still rooting for Marco Rubio to get through unscathed, okay? But the rest of me... The visceral part of me is rooting for Donald Trump because I think that's a much more likely scenario than for Rubio to get through unscathed and to beat uh, Hillary. Um, I mean, this is a complex equation. I don't want to get bogged down in it because we don't have that much time. But let's talk about <laughs> Donald Trump. All right. All right. So um, what, one of the guys who I am annoyed by, and I know he annoys you probably even more than he does me in this race, is John Kasich. Uh, he needs the, to go. The go, uh, the governor go. of Ohio, by the way, we're on in Ohio in the uh, Cleveland Akron area, um, and you know I don't I don't mind him personally, um, except he's really barely a Republican. He's a liberal. Correct. He's a liberal Republican. But what really pissed me off on the debate was that he has been pretending to be the guy who doesn't attack anybody. Huh. Uh, he just wants to talk about issues. And he doesn't even want to attack Hillary Clinton, which I have a problem with. Uh, So he's above it all. And he decided that he couldn't. That wasn't working. So 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 it wasn't working. So he decided to come out immediately and go after Donald Trump and Ben Carson. Now, you know, I actually don't have a huge 
problem on the basis for which he went after Carson and Trump. But I do think it was hypocritical for him to do so since he's been claiming, I don't, that's not my style, that's not my strategy, that's not who I am. What I loved about this was, in this exchange we're about to play, uh, it brought out the Trumpiness and Donald Trump in a huge way. Uh, and I thought Trump did an outstanding job of decapitating Kasich. And here's what that sounded like. We, we cannot elect somebody that doesn't know how to do the job. Thank Mr. You, Trump, 30 seconds. First of all, John got lucky with a thing called fracking, okay? He hit oil. He got lucky with fracking. Believe me, that's why Ohio is doing well. Number two, this is the man that was a managing general partner at Lehman Brothers when it went down the tubes and almost took every one of us with us, including Ben and myself. Because I was there and I watched what happened and Lehman Brothers started it all. He was on the board and he was a managing general partner. (laughs) And just thirdly, he was so nice. He was such a nice guy. And he said, oh, I'm never going to attack. But then his poll numbers tanked. He's got very, that's why he's on the end. And he got nasty. And he got nasty. So you know what? You can have him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... As much as much as it bothers me that Trump might be the nominee because he can't beat Hillary, you gotta love that. I mean, you've yeah. got to love that. Now he, yes. Trump disappeared for much of the debate, um, which is why he wanted it. In fact, his greatest accomplishment was bragging about how he got CNBC to cut the debate down from three plus hours to two and hours. They lied about it. Oh no, it was always going to be two yeah. hours. No, no. They, they. I actually think what happened here was that they, that Trump won that negotiation and then CNBC kind of got pissed that they got trumped by Trump and they went they went back on their word on other elements of the debate like for instance there were supposed to be opening statements and there weren't any Uh, so the the candidates were all ready I'm sure Jeb had a perfect you know, memorized opening statement, and uh, they never got <laughs> French to use work them. weeks. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> French work weeks. Um, so, so anyway, I, you know, we already talked about CNBC. Here's the deal on Trump. Now, his polling numbers nationwide have never been better. They have never been better nationwide. But he is tanking in Iowa, and that's interesting because it indicates one that he is beatable. That there is a that his percentage of people who will support him once you know they really start to focus and once he gets attacked in a place where they take this seriously which allegedly Iowa does that his his ceiling might be less than 20% where he therefore he cannot win a crowded republican field how more important- but he's gotten a little whiny about it too yeah yeah he's not well he's not he's not good at handling losing that's where i'm headed no. with this that's where i'm headed with this i no candidate has ever predicated in a, a presidential campaign more on the concept that I'm a winner, therefore get on my bandwagon, than Donald Trump. So if he goes into Iowa and he loses the first race, which I think right now he's likely to do, I think that is catastrophic for him as far as winning this whole thing. Um, and I think, I, I think in retrospect, Trump has made a huge error. See, if Trump wants to be Trumpy and be the tell-it-like-it-is guy, he should have realized that Iowa was poorly, a, a poorly positioned uh, caucus for him uh, because of the, the demographics, because of the, the, the religious nature of those people who go to the Iowa caucuses, because it's a caucus and you actually have to admit to your friends and family who you're voting for publicly. Those are not good things for Donald Trump. Had he been smart and had I been advising him, I would have said, Donald, 
I want you to crap all over the Iowa caucuses. Talk about what a joke they are and yes. and and skip them. Just skip them because if you had skipped Iowa, Iowa would have been meaningless, and the first race would have been New Hampshire, where you're kicking ass. True. Uh, and I think that's going to be the the downfall of Donald Trump. He didn't real again because I don't think he understands the Iowa caucuses. I don't think he understands this was an option for him because he's not a political guy. So I I think his big mistake when it's all over with is is not skipping Iowa and crapping all over it so that Iowa was meaningless. Once he got into the lead, he had the power to render Iowa meaningless, and he didn't do it. And I think it's and now good. it's too late. It's he too late. He, he can't drop out because no. then, then, you know, a, oh, I was losing. Exactly. He's lost the leverage. So that's my view on, on the weakness that Trump uh, may end up ruining the day on. It may end up being his Achilles heel going forward. We'll see, but that's my prediction. When we come back, a little bit more on the race where it stands and a, a bizarre exchange between Marco Rubio and Charlie Rose on CBS, which I think tells you so much about the nature of our news media. When we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Together we make up the John and Leah Show. Still over an hour and a half of news analysis and opinions still to come. And I want to play now, Leah, uh, a clip from uh, the CBS Morning Show where Marco Rubio was a guest and Charlie Rose was the interviewer, which I think is um, interesting, fascinating, and illuminative on so many different levels. It deals with Rose confronting Marco Rubio uh, for having said during the Republican debate that Hillary Clinton <gasps> lied, that she lied. Duh. I know, I know. But, but, <laughs> well, you, in Rubio's mind, I'm sure that's exactly what he was thinking. But somehow, but somehow to Charlie Rose, this was a, a revelation of epic proportions that couldn't possibly be true uh, because he would have heard about it. The New York Times would have told him. Uh, here's what that sounded like on CBS. You called Hillary Clinton a liar. Well, well, no, I said Hillary Clinton lied about Benghazi. There's no doubt about that, Charlie. I mean, there are emails in which she was talking to her family, and she was telling them that there was an attack on that consulate that was due to a terrorist attack by al-Qaeda elements, and then she was going around the country talking to the families of the victims and to the American people and saying, no, no, this is because of some video that someone produced. Senator, that you, know, you know that the CIA was changing, the CIA it. was changing uh, its own assessment of what happened there during that time zone. That's not... That's not accurate. It was clear from the very early moments after that attack that it was not a spontaneous uprising. It was a planned attack, well orchestrated by people that brought armaments to that attack that you would never see as part of some a spontaneous uprising. What was very clear is that from the very early moments of that attack, she knew that it was a terrorist attack, as she shared by email with various people. And yet she continued to perpetuate the lie. If you're calling her a liar by different. saying she perpetuated a lie, uh, then why do you think she did that? What was her motive? Well, that's very clear why. Because they were in the middle of a 2012 re-election in which President Obama had made the claim that al-Qaeda was being defeated so and on the run. That and this counteracted lied. that narrative. You were saying, Senator, that Hillary Clinton lied because she wanted to help Barack Obama in his re-election campaign. That's a serious charge. Yes. Uh, is that... 
Well, it's the truth. I mean, that's not only why she did it. That's why everyone in the administration did it. The narrative of their campaign at the time, Charlie, was that uh, that uh, Al Qaeda was on the run and had been defeated. That was their narrative. And this countered that narrative. They didn't want that out there. And that's why they didn't tell the truth about what truly happened. And the families of those victims deserve better. But and are the you denying that the CIA was getting, sending different information as they assessed it and providing different information to the leaders of our government? And it that was. was part of the reason Let me that tell you, Charlie, without Violating, assessments without violating any David Petraeus and yeah, I don't want to violate anything that. that's confidential or anything that's classified but I'll tell you this it was clear from the earliest moments after that attack that everyone on the ground and everyone closest to that attack knew almost instantly that this was an organized effort not part of a spontaneous uprising and there was never ever any evidence that it had anything to do with a video that was produced by some guy out in California <laughs> now that to me um, ought to be put in, uh, you know, some sort, some sort of museum. Uh, the for, Bias Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. Well, it's not just, and it's, let's make it clear, it's not Cover. just, it's not just that Charlie Rose is clearly attacking uh, Marco Rubio for making a, a very clear cut and obvious Honest. statement that's backed up by the facts 100 mm -hmm. percent that that's actually normal and when a republican goes on mainstream network television that's what's going to happen they're going to it's going to be a debate and the other side is going to be represented no matter what they're never going to get the flowers thrown at them like the other side does that but this goes way beyond that because charlie rose who is supposed to be one of the smart guys right yeah. after all he's an npr dude or you know and um and you know public television and you know, he, he talks slowly, so you know he must be he must be smart, right? That's what that's what they like mm -hmm. to pretend in television. So um, and he's obviously a liberal, so that inherently makes him smart. But here here's the part that I find important, most important, and that is how incredibly difficult it is to establish a data point of truth when it contradicts a, the narrative that the media has selected because it fits their agenda. Once True. the media has selected their narrative, it's almost impossible. It is, I mean, here we just had, it wasn't a month ago, three months ago, it was last week, you know. What difference at this point does it make? That yeah. we just had absolute 100% email evidence that what Marco Rubio said there was Clear-cut true. Not even in the question. And, Hillary lied. Right. She absolutely lied about it. And Rubio explained it perfectly. And here Rose, because that's not something they want to believe, and it doesn't fit their narrative, and because it wasn't declared for 24-7 by everybody else in the mainstream news media, because that's what it takes to get accepted. When it, If it's against the narrative, I mean, perfect example of this. Hands up, don't shoot. Hands yep. up, don't shoot was a total lie. And and we all know it was a total lie. Even that, you know, hasn't 100% permeated the narrative about Ferguson because it doesn't fit with the, what the news media wants the narrative to be. And, 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 and unless the New York Times says, okay, everybody, it is now acceptable and appropriate to call Hillary Clinton a liar on this, Republicans aren't allowed to say it. And this is why Democrats have such a huge advantage. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about some other news of the week, and there's been a lot of it, on the John and Leah Show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. In the next hour, uh, I often say uh, we talk about the news of the week and sometimes the events of our bizarre lives. Well, the two are going to intersect in hour number three because I'm going to talk about my uh, trip to State College, Pennsylvania this week that uh, is off the charts, bizarre in every possible way, and you'll just have to listen to believe it, but that'll be coming up in hour number three. Uh, before we get to that, though, Leah, there's a couple of news stories I want to talk about, including uh, what would be this week's edition of what could easily be a weekly feature on the John and Leah show called yeah. something like the white man who got screwed this week um, yes. uh, because of alleged racist issues. Uh, this one comes out of South Carolina and a videotape from a school where a white deputy uh, was gotten got in huge trouble for an incident involving a black girl. Tell us about what happened there. <laughs> yeah, he is a South Carolina sheriff's deputy. He is seen in a viral video flipping a female student out of her desk in a classroom, and he has now been fired from his job. The Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott says uh, the deputy, Ben Fields, did not follow proper procedure. Now, Fields had been called to a classroom because of that unruly student who refused to leave after being told to do so by first a teacher and then an administrator. So Fields told her to leave. She refused. He told her she was under arrest, and she refused to move. That's when he flipped her in her desk and cuffed her. In the blink of an eye, the FBI opened a civil rights investigation at the sheriff's request. However, on Friday, hundreds of students protested the firing of Ben Fields by walking out of class and into the school's atrium. All right, now... Obviously, um, I've never been to this school. I don't know anything that we don't know publicly. Uh, the, the video looks bad. I get that. I understand why it went viral. But there are several elements of this, Leah, that make me feel as if the deputy got completely railroaded and, un oh, yeah. and unfairly fired. Uh, the first is, if you look at the video, and I don't know whether or not you've noticed this, but uh, I'd be curious to, to know if you did. If you look at the video, what I found fascinating was, well, first, the first thing you need to know about any videos in these situations is there's a reason why someone has taken out their camera. Some, That's right. Something has happened before the video starts, right? Correct. I mean, I mean I've got a three-year-old daughter. This happens all the time. There's a reason why I go, oh, i got to get my camera because <laughs> something interesting has happened. So you've lost context inherently because something caused the camera to come out. That's number one. Number two, so the what you referred to as the flipping of the desk and the, yes. the dragging of the, the, the black female happens. Have you noticed the reaction of the other students? There's no reaction. Exactly. There's no reaction. In fact, one black kid, I believe a boy, uh, simply has his head down like, oh, geez, I can't believe this girl did this. I mean, there's no reaction at all. Now, I know, having knowing kids, having coached high school kids, you know, having been around them, if there was something horrific or outrageous that happened, especially as sensitive as we've become, to, they'd be to screaming. The, they would be um, <laughs> some some kid would go, "What are you doing?" There would right. be some 
reaction from the kids in that classroom indicating immediate outrage and there was none not even not even a hint of it and then then there's another layer uh, that makes me go wait a minute what's going on there was a, a teacher obviously and an administrator in the room and they both backed the deputy both yep. of them an administrator now think about this i mean i i know a little something about this my wife's a teacher i mean look let's face it you're in south carolina you got a white male deputy and a black female student the the political correctness you know direction is obvious here who you're supposed to support unless the facts are overwhelmingly on one side as an administrator your gut is always going to say oh well i got to protect the kid that's not what they did they said that the the deputy was was doing something it was did nothing inappropriate i guess is the right way to say it and so that to me says that there's much more than that meets the eye here and that the deputy got railroaded then what you referenced was the student protest now this yeah. was that's the cl- clincher for me hold on a second so the deputy gets fired this is a cause celeb in the news media. Everybody is saying, aha, racism, because after all, all we need to know in the media is South Carolina, white male, black female, and a video. That's all we it's need. It's done. Done. Yep. yep. Tied yep. up in a bow. Yep. Run it at the top of the hour. Thank you, God. Yep. It's, it's all perfect. <laughs> it's all perfect. Um, and, and that we got our narrative. Don't let us, don't let the facts get in the way. And yet, despite that, despite that, the kids... They protest going out of school. By the way, a black principal at this school. So it's mm-hmm. not. So that that right 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 away kills the whole narrative. Oh, we got a, a school here that's run by white people and the you know the plantation mentality in South Carolina, and we got a, a black girl who who <laughs> is being true, tra- yeah. Tra- yeah. treated like a slave. Wait a minute. No, no, no. You got a, <laughs> you got a black principal. You got and and I saw the the video of the kids protesting. A lot of those kids were black kids. A black. Yeah. I mean, this is. What? She's trouble. Well, yeah. That, then, then the final thing I'll say on this is, what was he supposed to do? You know, tell me. What was he supposed to do? She's in a desk. All right now, you say he flipped her. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it, there's no question she flipped. But did she flip because he wanted that to happen or because her resisting forced that to happen? I don't know. Well, she was glued to her chair. Right. So, But the point is, what was he supposed to do? I think he was supposed to do exactly what he did. I mean, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what else he was supposed to do. Get up out of the chair. And then then I guess the, the ultimate, which we always discuss in these situations is, and liberals have no ability. No ability to understand or care about the ramifications of these types of decisions. They think everything happens in a vacuum and that nothing will ever be impacted by stupid outcomes of circumstances like these. So what happens now to the next time this happens? I mean, seriously, especially if you're a white male in a black classroom, you have no shot. And guess what? The students no, you have no shot. They- and, and the students suffer is what happens. Your kid suffers because the thugs know they can get away with stuff. Oh, and, they, and there's no question about it anymore. I mean, they know, you know, everybody knows that. And, and so basically, unless you have 
black heck i'm not even sure black male would would cut it because you know if you're dealing with a black female you got a, a gender issue there you basically have to have black female cops now uh you know in in, in, in any school situation because otherwise the, the the deputy can't do anything uh and it's 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 insane and there's absolutely no question this will have a negative impact on discipline in the classroom nationwide yeah. because it became yeah. a nationwide issue but especially there and it will also do what all these other law enforcement related situations have, have have i believe have created which is a huge disincentive for anybody but especially white males to yep. ever go into law enforcement. If Correct. you're, if you're a, a white male, why in the world would you ever go into law enforcement? You know, it used to be, and when I say used to be, like two years ago, these things would happen occasionally. But what would occur is, at the very least, the union would have your back. Or, you know, no matter what, how bad it got, you wouldn't get fired. You might get reassigned, you know, you know, whatever. But you wouldn't get your whole life destroyed by this. Now, the unions don't even fight for them. I mean, Not at all. It, and the sheriff immediately calls the FBI to open a civil rights uh, investigation. Why is it whenever there's a black person involved and they're misbehaving or breaking the law or doing something, it's always a civil rights investigation. Because that way, it'll placate the media and the Al Sharptons, the Jesse Jacksons. It's all, just all, unbelievable. All they want is keep the rioters away from us, that get the media out of this, end the story as fast as possible. It doesn't, That's what it is. It doesn't matter that we're going to destroy some innocent guy's life and we're going to set a horrendous precedent for the future. That's irrelevant because these people only care about today and because they're mo almost all of them are liberals, so they don't even think about it in terms of what's going to happen in the future. Now, speaking no. of this, speaking of this, the most unbelievable part of the whole thing might be what happened to two members of the media, black members, who had the gall to say, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This is this is mind-blowing. We'll talk about it when we come back, when the John and Leah show continues right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And Leah, I just want to touch on one other aspect of this story out of South Carolina that dominated a lot of the news this week where another white male got hosed because he was caught on video doing his job when a, a black female refused to be doing what she was told to do uh, by numerous people. That's the, yes. part, that's the part of this. Numerous old... people and the police officer. Right. I mean, that's the part of this that is so frustrating is that the only reason this ever happened was because the student didn't do what they were told multiple times to do. And no that's one right. seems to care about that anymore. I no, mean, of course it's not. It's not even part of the conversation. In fact, if you make it part of the conversation and you're a black member of the media, you get in trouble. That, 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 that's how upside down this world is. That's how much we have left the gravitational pull of the rational earth. Don Lemon from CNN and Raven Simone from The View 
both. Oh. Both. I mean, <laughs> tepidly, tepidly. They're both black, and they both tepidly supported. Not. I don't, see, I don't even want to say they supported the, the deputy. They just basically said. Look, uh, this isn't as clear cut as it seems. We shouldn't rush to judgment. Uh, you know, Raven actually said that uh, you know the the student should take some responsibility here, and that's all they did. And they have been pilloried. They they have, they both have tens of thousands of people. I'm sure liberal nut jobs who have signed petitions at change.org for them to be fired that's just unbelievable it truly is unbelievable even in this upside down world in which we're living the idea stopo i mean think about it is i mean that's what it is i mean it's amazing (laughs) to me that the left the left is so funny because they despise religion yet they view their political views as religious. I mean, if you if you are part of their team and you go away from doctrine, even a, a, an iota, it is you must be destroyed. And so here Don Lemon, a black liberal, gay. I believe he's gay, right? I, I think so. I, yeah, he's. I think he's out as a gay man. Black gay liberal uh, on CNN, a liberal network. Simply says we should. He's a journalist, by the way, allegedly, and he says we shouldn't rush to judgment. And the liberals want him fired. We're, we're now living in a world where you, a black liberal gay CNN anchor can get maybe fired. I don't think he will be, but you have thousands of people calling for his firing for not rushing to judgment in a situation where. There shouldn't have been a rush to judgment. In fact, I believe there was a rush to judgment, and the wrong person got in trouble here. It is unbelievable. It is it, it is such an indication of how everything in this world is upside down. Everything is 180 degrees from where it ought to be, how we've left the gravitational pull of the rational earth, um, and and liberals are nuts. They are – it isn't – it is a – you know, I used to – I really did, Leah – I guess I was naive. I don't know whether liberalism changed or not. But I used to have a, a you know an honest, healthy respect for for most liberals. Oh I, no, I, the liberalism is just it's so far, far, far left now. It's nothing like it used to be. I, so no, they they've just gone around the bend. Well, the people who are running the show, the the people who are running the Twitter mobs, uh, which is basically what happens here, is we we find a story. You, you know, these people are so insecure. That's what oh, yeah. that's what's really at the heart of this. They're so insecure that if one of their people tells them they might be wrong, they flip out. And by the way, doesn't this sound an awful lot like intellectual slavery? Yeah, I absolutely get back on the plantation. Right. I mean, that that's what this is. You're a black person. You, we yeah. presume you to be a liberal. What are you doing? Get back in line. Exactly. That, that is intellectual slavery. And it's also political correctness beyond comprehension, and it's also very much against free speech, especially in the case of uh, of Raven, who's on The View. I mean, that's a show where you're supposed to be giving your opinions. Uh, it's not even like it's a, an alleged news show, what Don Lemon's supposed to do. And last week, Leah, we talked about a very scary survey of college students and how incredibly PC and anti-free speech there are. They yes. are. There's another one out. This one by the Young America's Foundation, which is even more interesting and probably scarier. They interviewed a thousand college students nationwide. And what they found was that in concept, 
that college students are overwhelmingly in favor of free speech. But when you get into the details, boy, does it get interesting. An overwhelming 82% of college students strongly or somewhat agree that diversity of opinion, including hearing an alternative political or cultural perspective, enhances undergraduate education. 82%. It ought to be higher than 82, but I'll take 82. But here's where it gets interesting. That number drops a full eight points, and it drops 13 points in the strongly agree category when the statement is modified to include the phrase conservative perspective. Yeah, so, they've been taught that since they, you know, cradle to grave. So, so a good 10% of the college population, as soon as you add the word conservative, mm-hmm. uh-uh, we're, no, no, that does not help, that does not enhance the undergraduate education. Then it gets even more interesting. In general, the more specific questions got, the more support for free speech among college students evaporated. I'm reading from the National Review here, by the way. For instance, while 77% of students believe that students should be allowed to fly the gay pride flag, that's 77%, it's okay to, to, to fly the gay pride flag. Flag. By the way, I, I think that should be 100%. Why is that not 100%? But it's, I don't know. It's 77%, but here's where, where the rubber really meets the road. Only 41% believe that students should be permitted to fly the Confederate flag, which is a flag that's actually a real flag, <laughs> as opposed to the made-up flag, which is the gay pride flag, um, and a real part of our history. Only No, four- because, see, that's offensive, and right. it makes people feel uncomfortable right. 40, and wh- targeted. So over 50% of college students believe you should not be permitted to fly the Confederate flag, not, by the way, on a state grounds. Like in your dorm room. At all, I mean, yeah. uh, only 42% said that stu- students should be allowed to use names such as Redneck, Bible Thumper, and Uncle Tom, none of which are particularly horrendous words. In other words, the instant that free speech starts to look like a bias-related incident, students started supporting censorship by oh over goodness. 50%. Perhaps most troubling of all, Students expressed surprising levels of support, not only for universal mandatory sensitivity training, with 48, <laughs> 48% of college students support sensitivity training mandatory, only 41% oppose. They also largely endorsed the far left's favorite theory justifying censorship, that speech can equal violence. That's not true. Disturbingly, 53% strongly or somewhat agree, 53% of college students, strongly or somewhat agree that choosing to use or not use certain words can constitute an act of violence. False. 53%. And this goes back to what I have said for years. This was going to be the way we lost free speech. That's right. First through hate crime legislation, Mm -hmm. which is really a thought crime. Once you get people wedded to the idea, oh, yeah, let's punish hate crimes. Then punishing hate speech is the next step. And once you decide that you can punish hate speech, guess who gets to decide what hate speech is? Liberals do. And that's that right. Me- and that means that means it's over because they're going to determine what's hate speech based upon what arguments they can't win anymore. And that's how you get being a on the issue of, say, global warming gets you borderline in jail. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's really where we're going with this. That's where we're headed. 
And and this generation, which, you know, the younger generation has always been the generation that's most in favor of free expression, right? That's when you have opinions, you're learning about the world, you have passion. You're, you're, Don't tell me what to do. Exactly. I mean, if they're this way now, uh. can, can you imagine how beaten down they're going to be by political correctness in 30 years? Oh I mean, it, it is over, folks. It is over, except on this show, because that's why we're called the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Now, when we come back, um, it's not often you can make a promise that is 100% accurate in this business, but the hour you're going to hear in the next hour will not be heard anywhere else in any other medium. No, I guarantee you, (laughs) you can keep that promise. Right. That is a promise that you can take to the bank. So stay tuned to the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 